listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 212 for the week of March 5th, 2017. Welcome back, listeners, to your monthly episode of the podcast of Ice and Fire. We are still the longest-running podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series. We are now officially nine years old, although our website looks about 90 years old, but almost a decade, you guys, that we've been doing this. And we are still not done with our Storm of Swords reread. So this week we are covering Danny 4 and Aria 8, and I think that brings us a little past the halfway point of our book. And as always, this is Mimi. This is Amin. And this is Kyle. And uh, Ashley hates me, so she's never on any of these episodes with me, <laughs> but we do have a guest this week. Patrick, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Patrick the Toll on the forums of Song of Ice and Fire, uh, podcast of Ice and Fire, rather. Um... Uh, yeah, I do VOKs, and um, well, for the first time ever, since even though I've been listening to you guys for three years and podcasting for, oh no, listening to you guys for four years and podcasting for three years, I haven't been on, so big big day for me. So welcome. You have a cute little accent. Where are you from? Um, I'm Danish. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Nord. Uh, so it is like 4 a.m. over there? Five, five. Jesus. Whoa! That's dedication. Really I'm out here complaining because it's 10 p.m. <laughs> I know. I mean, it was like, it's 10 p.m. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's it was harsh to get up, but uh, I mean, it's fine. Uh, I would get up for you guys. Aww. Oh, I, I, I let me apologize ahead of time for <laughs> the awful job I'm going to do. <laughs> Yeah, Kyle's out here not reading the chapter, eating these sloppy joes. I had to deal with Secret Service today, okay? Don't, don't worry, Kyle. I listened to the episodes. I know. I know. <laughs> really, actually, I think Kyle is the second most prepared person. Um, oh. Amin is obviously the most prepared. Then it's Kyle. Then it's my dogs uh, ready with this barking nonsense. <laughs> and then it's me. Although I'm really curious, I mean, what what's the story of these missing notes? Did a stewardess um, steal them from you? I don't know. I was on a flight today, and I was reading the chapters and making notes. But when I got home, my notes were gone. So maybe somebody mm. took them. Somebody was looking over your shoulder and was like, oh, those are some good notes. I'm going to yeah. take those. <laughs> somebody in this mystical country of Winnipeg. Just like, yeah, I was leaving I'm Winnipeg gonna... today and it was minus 20 degrees Celsius. So, just you know, although I guess Patrick probably experiences that kind of cold maybe. Really though, Denmark is actually quite um like moderate climate mm. in comparison to the other Nordic countries. We're uh, we we get the uh the Gulf Stream, you know, El Niño, so hmm. That's so we don't feel too, yeah. it like that. Yeah. So you've been you've been listening to the podcast for four years. How long have you been reading these books? Um, it'd be five, right? I guess no, no. It, since we are at the seventh season, right? That would mean that I have been reading them since the first season, which means seven years, right? So books first or the show then? Uh, the I was I was uh, recommended the books. Right this before. is a loaded question from me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I was originally, I must say, I must admit, and I don't really say this very often to any other people like uh, on the VOK either. I was actually f- first show, then books. But it was like I watched the first oh. episode of the 
the show and I was like, okay, I like this. I'll read the books. And by the um, end of the first season, I had read the first book. And by the end of that summer, I'd read all the books. Uh, so Nice. Oh, <laughs> Momo agrees maybe, that he made the Mimi right is attacking right dogs right. in the background, but we are listening <laughs> to you, good sir. It's not me. It's John Luke. Hold on, let me put him in. John Luke, yeah. John Luke is a bad boy. <laughs> He's the bad boy. That's Ian's dog. Wait, I thought Captain Kirk was the bad boy and Jean Luke was the good one. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, they well, John Luke's actor wanted to play a bad boy. They didn't really let him do that. So. Okay, so William Frakes came in. <laughs> so you, so you started uh, with the show. And then you came to the yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's the crux Let's of see. it. Yeah. So you so you're enjoying both though, right? No, no. no? Uh, uh, <laughs> I yeah, hate he show. hates the books now. Yeah, the, the books are crap. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> so you hate the show now? Yeah, seriously. I, I well, I hated. I actually started hating the show since season two. I mean, the first season was. Yeah, been phenomenal, and and then yeah, then I had read the books when before season two came out, and I was like, why, why is she so up about her dragons, and why did they steal him from him anyways? Stuff like that. I was so yeah, up in arms mm. about that, and then when Homegirl lost her dragons, I was just like, well, clearly we can't ever watch this again. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, I, I watched it all up all up to season five or something. And then, yeah, well, something happened with that made me decide that mm, things are not, I don't like it. And uh, I haven't actually watched the last season. So, okay. Are you going to watch the upcoming one? Probably not. Um, Unless of course, uh, winds of winter comes out like in a month. Uh, (laughs) um, I might though. Because it's it's a mainly a combination of me not liking the the interpretations of the book, but also that they're now moving into spoiler territory, which I'm not very fond of either. I will tell tell you what I have still to this day avoided spoilers from the show. I think it's because people don't talk to me. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that at this point in my life uh, nothing from the show has been man- has managed to enter my bubble mm. yep. <laughs> I, I have a problem though I work uh, part time in a in a board game shop mm. uh, nice uh, oh uh, yes okay guys let's go on a tangent let's talk board games <laughs> <laughs> well it, essentially I, I cannot uh, it's like every single day I get in there, there's some some nerd coming in talking about whatever game board, uh, Game of Thrones or whatever. Oh, never it's mind. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine. I, I I love board games and I love the 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 books, but it's quite annoying when I have to shush people when they come in. Please don't spoil me. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. But yeah, that's the benefit of. Uh, of being insulated where I am just in a world of like uh, just party hoes, you, you know, because they've never read a book and it's great because we only <laughs> want to talk about like, like, you know, Beyonce's album and like Future and Drake making a mixtape. That's the kind of stuff that I get spoiled on. But like as far as books, never. Mm. It's great. Yeah, sounds great. Um, But then, you know, after a while you forget how to read. So... That's yeah. made this podcast difficult for me. 
I've never know how to read, so um, <laughs> welcome to the club. Well, you can relearn we, it with your son once he starts growing up. I know, right? I'm I'm just wondering, like, any day now, any day now, I'm going to be able to start reading Song of Ice and Fire to him. Um, but I guess the thing is, there is still no news about winds, right? Oh, the closest I came to the winds of winter was in Winnipeg, so that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Every I keep seeing these like uh, these bullshit articles, you know, because now people they have no news, yeah. so it's just like uh, George R. R. Martin possibly releasing this book on his seventieth birthday. Like, like y'all don't know anything. Um, it seems like, like from George's blog that he's just obsessed with wild cards still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just checked up, and it was like that, and and his yeah, what whatever friends project. He, he will plug that as well, but nothing about the winds at all. And kind of my dudes out there just talking about the Hugos, you know. So uh, yeah. <laughs> who cares, right? Here's about all those Hugo awards. Jesus, okay. <laughs> Hold on, real quick. I'm getting a work call. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe um, it's balancing being like a businesswoman and a mother and all that. So it's nice that we can even get her on an episode. <laughs> Mimi the busy. Yeah. Um, so, how did you uh, get into the podcast? How did you? What did you come um, across? Well, it's. I think it started with the uh, Westeros.org and just um, for whatever, just getting whatever tidbits of what George said, and uh, I think you, you you were referenced once on uh, by I think. Elio or Linda and and I decided just to check you guys out and you 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 had a great dynamic and uh, you went into the nitty gritty of stuff. Uh, sometimes uh, I ended, I even enjoyed like shouting shouting at the television uh, or the computer when I disagreed at, with your with your theories. But uh, yeah, uh, that's essentially how I got into it. And then yeah. I've been listening for a while, and then suddenly you started talking about the VOK, and I also got into that. So that cemented my my association with with you guys and with the with this with everything here. Nice, I love it. I love it. Have you guys done any uh, board game episodes over there at VOK? <laughs> um, we've done the uh, Cards Against Westeros. Okay. Uh, one. So that's. But we we're probably gonna um, graduate into something more. Um, substantial maybe uh i've uh, i have a few ideas on how to make it interactive over the in, over like thousands of miles <laughs> of, of distance very cool very cool awesome nice i know it's been so i feel like it's been so long since we've had a new guest i mean what what are our questions did i did we cover them? pretty much covered i guess other than like favorite characters i suppose oh yeah well let's do that What's your favorite character, good sir? Oh, this is a loaded question, though. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I, I like Victorian. He's one of my favorite characters. Um, oh. Yeah, and uh, oh. I'm always very un- unpop- <laughs> unpopular. <laughs> I'm, I'm very unpopular it, for that. Is he, is okay. he remind you of a? Is he like a Dane type character or? <laughs> it, it's it's both. It's both that he he rep uh, the the Ironborn represents my culture mm. uh, to a certain extent, and and also that he facilitates the story. Everything happens around him. Uh, everything cool, at least, happens around him. So uh, so that it's not so much him as a character. It's 
himself that is interesting is what happens around him and what he's a part and what he when he thinks back on things he, you get a, a very good idea of what what kind of an asshole Euron had been and whatever so yeah. so I like that about him Ashley likes him too I think so they kind of fill in, in for her role yeah I also think that he's the prince that was promised but uh, we can get into that anyway. <laughs> oh really oh okay <laughs> well, it's quite easy, man. He he is a prince. He was reborn amongst salt and smoke, and yeah, so he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be the prince that was promised. Where's his uh, Where's Lightbringer? It has his arm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Dig it. I love how that theory just fits so many different people. That's right. Yeah. Anytime there's anything with salt and smoke, you can fit. <laughs> Crying yeah. and or like burning so it's just like everything is very cool. That. Um, okay. Do we want to move on to the chapters? Is there any news? Is there's no news, huh? Not really. There's been nothing new. Well, in the meanwhile, I, I tried to like because because I I found out that you you guys ask about like news and whatever. I think I found that Peter Dinklage's uh, his wife is is pregnant with their second child. Um, Oh, so, so congratulations, Mr. Dinklage. Yeah. That's yeah. um second child. Does it say how old his first child is? Uh it was from 2010. Okay. So it might be 7, right? Uh but the so he's 46 and she's 41. So that's um that's a thing to note that she's that wow. they're uh yeah, parent, late parents. Yeah, Damn. sounds like the age I'm going to be when I'm finally be a father. <laughs> I ma- chose to make this in in the VOK style summary, so not as super serious as some of your <laughs> recaps. But, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, serious recaps? What? <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes you do. I mean, I feel like you do more serious than you do on uh, like <laughs> insincere, at least. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear this VOK style recap. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not as good as Wargasms, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I hope you will, you will enjoy it. I'm all for it. Lay it on us, good sir. Okay. Well, Daenerys four. So Danny rides for the front with Austin and Jorah. They count the numbers of the enemy and totals. 5,000 men, including two sellsword companies named the Stormcrows and the Second Sons. Jorah is certain that the Yunkish will easily be defeated, but then he's worried about the cost of, the, of a proper battle and what it means for the siege of Yunkai. She rides back, speaks with Grey Worm, whom has been elected eternally by the Unsullied, to lead them. He thinks a, a, a proper battle is good. And that the men is um, that the men thirst for blood. Vampires confirmed. Uh, the freedman from Astapor was given the city, but many chose to follow Danny instead. Only tenth, only a tenth of the men are able to fight, and she likens them to locusts in sandals. That's <laughs> nice, I guess. Um. She invites the wise masters and the captains of the sellsword companies to treat with her. The stormcrows are the first to be seen. Prendel Nagazin 
uh, Salo the Bold and Dario Naharis all come. Prendel and Danny exchange pleasantries, and she offers the Stormcrows the opportunity to change sides. Prendel and Salar does not seem interested, but Nario nods a farewell as she as he goes. Uh, then the second sons uh, arrive, uh, led by Mero, the Titan's bastard. Mero is even more charming than Prendel. Uh, he offers his sword several times, but is offered a gelding instead. Uh, he leaves with a wa- wagon of wine and promises uh, to drink to her health and give her the answer on the morrow. Lastly comes the wise masters, led by Grasdan Moeras. He offers her 50,000 marks if she will leave Yonkai alone. She Counter offers with three days for the Yunkai to release all their slaves. Grez then is not on board with that, so Danny decides to burn him, uh, which is totally rational. Uh, <laughs> uh, he leaves no longer unsullied, if you get that one. Uh, <laughs> um, he decides to ride on. Uh, uh, she decides to ride on the enemy host at midnight, but before she can start the attack, Daria arrives with the heads of his former uh, companions and a promise of complete fealty. After what apparently qualifies as flirting uh, and the objection of of Jorah, uh, she lets him return to his men so that they can join in the battle. Jorah objects once more, but this time Danny throws a hissy fit worth of a teenage queen, uh, telling him in much harsher words that she is not into him. Um, she can't sleep, so she sends for Ariston, and he tells her about Rhaegar. She hears horses and fears the worst, but it is only the scorned bear with the news of victory. Uh, Things have gone as planned, and the next day she marches on Yunkai, and on the third day, the gates are opened, and the former slaves are allowed to leave. Uh, But freedom must have made them delirious, since they seem to confuse Danny with their mother. Uh, So she seems to be totally into this, and decides against the objections of her men to take a victory lap through the the crowd uh, of her new... The crowd of her new slaves. I mean, children. Yeah, so that's it. Misa. Yeah. Or if you uh, <laughs> if you listen to the uh, the the uh, word of truth, it's Mesa. Mesa. Oh, Mesa. Mesa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Nicely done. Thank yeah, you. nicely done. And I've sent uh, the uh, the artwork to accompany it. Dario style dance, uh, but I mean the, this this chapter is pretty much mostly about uh, in retrospect to Dario, it's his first appearance, right? Yeah. And uh, he, who would have thought that he would have gone this far with Danny later on, the first time? You yeah. Know? He seems such a ridiculous character, but on the other hand, he goes straight for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. He's ridiculous. 
<laughs> ridiculously awesome, right? Uh, no, no, he's just ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, I um, I understand why the show didn't portray him as he is in the books. <laughs> no one would see him as a sex symbol. <laughs> no how, no Danny, way. Except for Danny, because she had a weird upbringing, right? I mean, that fits <laughs> with the trifork what, what, blue beard, like. You what? What kind of weird upbringing? Upbringing? Do you need to have to find that sexy? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what what entails for for that to become like a sex symbol? I guess. <laughs> yeah, but she does compare him like to. She have Jorah, and Jorah's so ugly. It's like it's a comparison. Because shouldn't she compare him? The two of them in this chapter, and she keeps comparing Dario favorably in it. So, mm, I don't think that normally would qualify you so you <laughs> so that's essentially sh- because you know like some women they have like ugly girlfriends to to boost their own uh, uh when they go out of town no i mean no, danny that's... was more used to to jora maybe or something and then that was ah. her standard but i mean it, it, yeah. she does say good things about darius like say he's attractive jora's ugly like he's smooth skin yeah. jora's a hairy bear like he keeps <laughs> Contrasting so, the two. Yeah, so she, he's only sexy in contrast to Jorah. <laughs> no way. Blue, eye, dreamy blue eyes and that three pronged bearded beard, <laughs> blue beard. I mean, come on. I, I Gold guess she, mustache. Oh, I, I just I, can't I, even I, contain myself. My pants just burst asunder just thinking about that. I, I, I don't know, but you guys, if you guys can, can tell from my ride Danish humor, but I, I'm not really into to dario as as a character (laughs) (laughs) oh i like the guy um very nice it betrays his uh fellow captains on the first chapter too so he seems like a risky person to put faith in but yeah as of yet he hasn't betrayed danny so go so was he just so smitten with her upon first sight that he just he just turned. He knew that. I think he he was good at reading potential, like like a good good advancement for him. Like there's only so far he can go in that Salesor company, but if he gets like in Danny's good graces, he could definitely get further. Like I mean, he just I mean they saw the dragons too, right? So he can tell they're going to be something to be reckoned with later on. So you you think if it wasn't someone he just fell in love with instantly upon sight, that he still would have turned? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, let's say Danny was was a man. Like <laughs> he still would have turned for the benefits himself. Okay. Yeah. He seems like such a romantic. I have a hard time believing that it wasn't just like out of this in fat instant infatuation hmm. that like made him. Well, turn. that that is a question that we've talked about later in terms of Dance of the Dragons. Like, does Dario actually love Danny? And that's I mean, you could go either way on that. I don't know. I I I, I, I seem skeptical to me that he could love anyone, from my interpretation of him. But it could be that he does. You mean besides himself? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would say that maybe to begin with, no. But uh, at the end of the books, maybe, maybe developed to that point. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he yeah, I guess she is she's she is hot and 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 she treats him well. So I guess anyone would like develop feelings for especially if yeah I, I think i think he could have developed feelings at the end but i mean yeah. right to begin with 
he's just a braggart and he just wants to get with her so that she, he can like uh, get ahead in, yeah. in, in, in this new regime. Um, I think I think he totally. I think he could be loyal to a, a male Daenerys just as much, if if he had just as many opportunities to advance as she has with with Danny, uh, female Danny. Okay. Uh, because I I don't think he would have gotten this far in in the the company if he had been a disloyal disloyal person like all around. I think he's loyal until like, he sees the writing on the wall, or right, or yeah. or a great opportunity. Interesting. True. And then, I mean the the one what was the guy like? There's one guy I guess Gary, leader with, of that company like of the, of the three that for sure was against Danny. The other guy seemed kind of indifferent. He didn't really say much, but I guess he. Mm. Still yeah, Prendel. Her. Rondo was the one that was against her. Sala, I think, yeah. right, was the one that was yeah, gonna, said like one pick, line, picking his nose, yeah. uh, as uh, Dario says. I just want to uh, say that Prindle, if you uh, if you pronounce it differently, it kind of sounds like a IKEA furniture. <laughs> Prindle. <laughs> is it for resting your head on, or what is it? What kind of furniture is this? I I would imagine I would imagine that it's a uh, like some sort of uh, uh, yeah maybe a chair or a uh, or some sort of desk a prendal yeah because it it refers to like tr- trees in the valley so yeah um, yeah something like that <laughs> prendal the chair nagrezen well he didn't he didn't uh, last very long so yeah. He was mad. Uh, Sounds like had, IKEA furniture. Yeah, he might. <laughs> What's up, you guys? Sorry, oh. I didn't just bail on this call. Sorry, right, we're just I, talking uh, about IKEA furniture, whether it's worth it or not. So. No, what do you mean worth it? It's like three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have staying power. Apparently, he breaks. <laughs> no, yeah, no, don't do that. Who's who's buying IKEA furniture? Uh, Prendel uh, Nagesin. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys are still on this chapter, right? Okay. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Danny. So we're, I'm wondering how you felt about well, Danny and and uh, her relationship with Dario. How did you feel about Dario, he's Mimi? When you first came in? He's a fuck boy. I mean, <laughs> very clear. Um, I didn't like it. I don't like him. I don't trust him. And uh, also, I want to know. So this is this is pronounced Yunkai, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like Japanese, if it would be like Yankai or something. But um, so what is the way of seven size? Oh, don't you know? Uh, it's a the way of seven size is, ah, 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 I always assume you knew Mimi. Oh, no, no. I've never even kissed a boy. Um, <laughs> okay. She found that but, baby under uh, a, with a stork. It was brought by his <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the seats of power is positions. I think there's like seventy seats of power or something, or pleasure, uh, seats of pleasure, yeah, and power, okay. of power. That does make that does make a lot more, more sense. I was, I was thinking about seats of pleasure. Yeah, like, I don't even have sixteen body parts. What is this? <laughs> All right, guys, I got my pen out. Let's go over these sixteen. Look at this. 
16 is actually quite low when you think about it. Like, I'm pretty sure Comic yeah. probably has, like, way more. Oh, God. I mean yeah. the love master over here. <laughs> different different date every night. What, they only know 16 seats of pleasure? Come on. <laughs> Amateurs. <Yeah. laughs> Kyle is well-versed in the way of three spears. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was born that way. <laughs> Wait, what? What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the Unsullied learned in the way of three spears. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm sure they did. So, <laughs> um, okay, where did you guys land on this chapter? I think we're about to, we were talking about Dario, and now we're going to talk about Miro, I guess, Titan's Bastard, what you thought of him. And, I mean, it seems really even worse than Dario. <laughs> you compare the yeah, two Yeah, he's them, gross. Right? I'm glad he got murdered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess... Well, if if I don't know, I mean, she he's just as bad as 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 any of the other guys there. I mean, so I don't know why she's less inclined to to I don't know. She, she's she's. So Dario was just, so respectful in the way still, and in the way that he put it there, right? Mira was like body and super over the top with her. Like Dario's like, oh, like you know, my my love is yours, but he wasn't like insinuating all these kind of things. No, no, when, no. Uh, when Miro escapes and then he comes back disguised to try to kill her, I always do think of him as like a you know an Aladdin when Jafar disguises himself as that prisoner. That's how I always pictured <laughs> That's it. He changes his. Yes. I think does he shave his beard? Or like he yeah, but he look? actually shaved his beard. Yeah. Mm. Your mm. eternal reward. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Mm. Um, so what do you guys think of this battle? It was uh, it was pretty quick. Yeah. It was a it was a chapter that kind of read like a short story, right? Mm. Yeah, was, I mean, you barely see it. I mean, they, it was kind of, they knew they were, they were going to win. The question was if they could win it without taking so many casualties, and that's what she did. Mm. That was the key, because they didn't want to lose, like, so many people here. The second clever thing Danny has done, uh, like, really like, clever commander queen thing she's done, mm. the first one being the uh, the uh, sacking of, of um, Astapor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, do you now? Do you think that this is Danny's cleverness, or do you think this is uh, her coasting on experienced? Well, it's her idea to attack early, and she sets it up pretty well. So I think she can take pretty good credit. Of again, she was going to she was going to win this battle because she had a really good army even at this point. But she only had sixteen casualties. That's pretty good. And those sixteen because they were trying out the sixteen pleasures. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Imagine it. <laughs> She's in here quibbling with Jorah. Yeah. But do you th- during I think, this? I think the young guy actually kind of have a point too. They're like, "Why are you like wasting your time here? You should be going on to Westeros." If you're heading. There. Well, then her white savior complex. She needs to be. Yeah, like I don't know why she's doing this. You know. Well, because she's been, she's been like in. Felt like a, s- a slave her her whole life as well. Been s- sold into servitude to. A guy that ended up being a, a really good guy, but she would she might have just well been a, a sex slave for a callus a call. Hmm. So, so I guess she can relate. <laughs> she also uh, actually Mimi was saying like in terms of if Danny made a mistake or wasn't quite up to par of the chapter, she did. In terms of leaving Astapor, she didn't leave. It doesn't seem like she left any garrison to help mm-hmm. the uh, council there. So then it's not a surprise the council was overthrown. Like if she'd left a couple thousand in Sully to to back them up, I think things would be Yeah, different. but I guess, you know, 
she doesn't want to spare any men. So yeah, but that that was her big mistake then of this chapter because there was there was nobody to keep that council in power. I do uh, I do enjoy that detail of her having the twin bells in her braid. Like she's mm. keeping those Dothraki customs. I do. I forget. Does she continue to yeah, to grow her hair out? Oh, good question. Yeah, I don't think she mentions that, but she does uh, like skip the bales when she uh, becomes ruler of marine. So mm. because of you know that not being very popular with the the population. Do you uh, do you think that there is any um, anything to Miro saying that uh, he fucked Danny's twin? No, it's just a really bad pickup line. No, not like another Targaryen out there. Oh, definitely a Blackfire or something like Blackfire, that. Blackfire, maybe yes, because they they have they look like Targaryens, so could have been some Blackfire. Yeah. They're the true yeah. Targaryens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Illyrio, well, Illyrio's second wife, right, was from that Blackfire line potentially. So again, was probably a, a prostitute. So maybe, mm-hmm. but so um, where was it? Um, yeah, so in in uh, in Yunkai, it's the wise masters. In in uh, Aspor, was the good masters. And when we get to Marine, it's going to be the great masters. Uh, like, I always I always like that like that little tidbit that they were what, called different things. What are the three again? Good masters for Aspor, wise masters for uh, for Yunkai, and great masters for uh, for Marine. Hmm. It, it's it so unimaginative. <laughs> if I had a slave city, we would be the hot masters or something. <laughs> the hot masters. So, but 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 at least the two first seems to be like uh, ironic in a way, uh, because they're the good masters are definitely not good towards their their people. Yes. And and the wise masters do not uh, heat their own. Uh, it is not really very wise in their way of going about things, unless yeah, you count that they actually do. Uh, surrender to at at the end, hmm. so so I think that's fun that they that he chose those names. I didn't realize that. That was a good good find. Hmm. So, and Danny also kind of rejects Jorah in this chapter. Like tells him, puts him in his place for a while, anyways. Well, Danny's always rejecting that pedophile. Yeah. Oh. You mean Peter? <laughs> you mean Peterphile, right? Peter yeah. Peterphile. Peterphile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's about the same age difference between uh, Jorah and and Danny as there is uh, Peter and and Sansa, right? And I find all of it gross. <laughs> well, you're so weird when we think that's gross, right? That's that's totally normal, right? <laughs> well, and I don't know. Maybe just rereading this chapter, uh, and maybe it's different, you know, in the show or whatever. Ever when Danny's like thirty, um, but in the books, you know, it is just very clear. Like, no, these are children. These all these POV characters are like ten, and especially because in this chapter, Danny's out there playing her like, um, I am just a really young, sexualized woman. Um, mm. I am but a child, and she does that a lot. It's really annoying, um, <laughs> but it is. Yeah, it's it's kind yeah, of those that. Guys just, are eating it up. I know. Yeah, it's kind of passive aggressive type. Uh, person i guess when she does that but but she i mean she was with drogo you didn't have a problem with drogo so mm. well no no i, I do in retrospect i do have a problem with it mm. 
can't endorse uh, pedophilia, even in a fantasy world. But I would think, you know, with Jorah, just like, isn't he a lot older than Drogo? I feel like. It's, it probably, I think, yeah. I think Drogo not, wasn't not, that old. Well, not a lot older. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says that he actually says that he's thrice her age in this mm-hmm. chapter. So, so that means he's Bust. at least like 40 something. How uh, old is Danny? She must 13, 14. So, 14. So that means that what was the three times that 32 42? something? 42. Yeah, yeah. she's 14 and he's 42. And and Drogo is only like uh, like 30 something. 30. Yeah, that's right. Because he because something. he was he was like a rising star. Like he, he was he wasn't that old yet. That was the, that was the thing. He was like a prodigy in mm. the uh, Dothraki. So it's not great like that anyone's her. banging fourteen-year-olds in this world, but, but I think we do tend to forget that Danny's age because she is kind of in, you know, a position of power. Well, her, her, uh, she's yeah, yeah, she acts like somebody who's like closer to twenty or something, right? Well, I mean, they're all they mm-hmm. act older, right? And so that's well, yeah, the uh, rapidity with, with which all these characters mature in the books, too. You know, it almost makes you forget that Brand's like a toddler at the beginning or you know Danny was having a brother twist her nipples in the first chapter so mm. <laughs> all very bizarre yeah I also like the uh, the I, I actually like the thing where she underplays her own her own qualities saying I'm but a young girl know nothing of the matters of war that's I kind of like that because well yeah I think it's just a thing that uh she plays on on the preconceived notions about like women and and, and young people as well. I try to do that at work and it backfires on me. <laughs> I'm out there in boardroom meetings like I am but a young and experienced woman and I don't know what I'm doing and they're like you need to leave this meeting ma'am. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> hmm. Different. It's a little different. A little different. <laughs> Well, I guess we're but not this, socially yeah, progressive it, then, in some ways. <laughs> if you were president of the company, Mimi, it'd be a different story. That's right. Close. I'm COO. Oh. Well, mm. well, almost there. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Not yet, yet. So come back when you are. <laughs> One day I'll learn how to do my job. Oh, man. Okay, but uh, also, Rhaegar, uh, when we hear from Arston or Barristan, uh, about Rhaegar, um, I like that part. I mean, that's especially where, where he talks about uh, Rhaegar always having having this uh, melancholy to him, hmm. and and almost like he could sense his own doom. Did he honestly know that, how he was going to die, and was he just like doing a self fulfilling uh, prophecy, or was he actually? doomed to do this all along could he have avoided it hmm. i mean oh. he, he knew he came from a sad story from summer hall so that could explain it and they talk about that but it's like whether he knew that he also had the tragic end coming like he because he knew he had to be a a a warrior apparently yes Which, so i think i think that he probably thought he was going to be still fighting that fight then he wasn't didn't think he was going to have kids and then die I think Rhaegar was depressed. You think? (laughs) 
Yeah, he was I feel with, it. He's an emo he was with chatting a heart. with blood. He was chatting with Blood Raven in the tree and got all the inside <laughs> info about his doom and everything. But you know, they tell they say talk about just from you know the very beginning of his young life. You know, just the tragedy of Summer Hall and how that's always haunted him. But uh, I, I do appreciate Danny's disappointment in finding out her brother was a pansy. So she was uh, particularly. What, that he was playing music all the time? Well, I think she was just like, uh, I was told that he won a lot of attorneys, you know, that he was awesome at fighting, which is, you know, Viserys, I, I guess. Yeah. But he was good at fighting, wasn't he? Was he was good. Yeah, he, just, he, did, he didn't enjoy it, but he was good at it. Like he. Because he needed to be, and he trained at it, and he did win that big tournament. But then Danny kind of, even kind of semi acknowledges that he made, like Rhaegar made a mistake here. He shouldn't have taken the Stark girl, at least from her. That's the way the story's told to her. So, hmm. but yeah. you know, I think it's interesting that um that Danny does know about the circumstances of Rhaegar's birth. You know, she said Viserys had told her that story mm. about what happened. to she, she said Viserys had yeah. spoken of Rhaegar's birth only once. Perhaps yeah. the tale saddened him too much. Interesting. And so she knows that it was... Uh, uh, yeah, so she knows, knows quite a bit, summer. actually, yeah. Oh, I was just saying, so maybe she, he didn't go into details, but yeah, he did definitely talk about it. Uh, so maybe she knows more more about what really happened at Summerhall, but I don't think so. I, actually, I don't think so, because first of all, when, when Viserys left uh, King's Landing, he was like, what, 10? Something like that. So he might not have gotten the full story either from his parents. Mm. Yeah, Viserys cannot be trusted to be a reliable narrator. But it seems also, every, every time Arsene wants or Barrison wants to tell her the full story, he gets interrupted by like Dario or like battle or something happens before he can give the full mm. details. I do. Uh, isn't that just gross that Danny says that uh, Viserys once said it was my fault for being born too late? Like yeah. if I'd. Uh, uh, Rhaegar would have married me and it would have all just been different. Oh, Viserys. Always saying uh, the right thing. Just a gross, abusive little man. Yeah. But I do I do like in retrospect, you know, um, Barristan talking about this, talking about himself, you know, just uh, mm. about the honor went to another knight who unhorsed Prince Rhaegar in the final tilt. He's <laughs> like, yeah, be me. <laughs> <laughs> but what when uh, when Danny thinks that it was uh, Rhaegar's only mistake? Do you think that this was like this view was given to her by Viserys? Like, do you think that yes, because of uh, of what the Starks then did afterwards, that uh, Viserys uh, obviously said that that this might have been this, the stupidest thing Rhaegar could have done because of the hatred towards the Starks? Like, could he have passed down his own knowledge and like notion of what, what was right and wrong in, in this telling of the story as well? Uh, I think so. I think that that's definitely the way that it would be spun to her, you know? But the real question was, like, did Rhaegar do that, like, fulfilling a prophecy knowingly? I definitely think so. Otherwise, why would he do that? I mean, yeah. that's stupid. But he could have done it in a better right. way. That's the problem. It kind of disappeared, and then all this stuff happened. Like they could have. Well, if we've learned yeah. anything from Rob, that princes do stupid things, yeah. you know. Hmm. Yeah. Also, he is a Targaryen. He could have had two wives without any problem. I mean, 
well, with few problems. Well, it would have been a problem, but there wouldn't have been an open rebellion. It would, like, wouldn't have set the chain of events that it went, right? Like, he wasn't there, yeah. and then his father went crazy. He just stuck around. Could have kept. I mean, it. he can have a bunch of wives, but he shouldn't have uh, stolen one from Robert. Yeah. If he ju- if he if she had off like in op- open chosen him, yes, so yeah, that I would rather ready to mingle, it would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Not not ju- not just that. If even she, if she was promised to to Robert, she could have still have said that I don't care for that one. I want to want to marry uh, Rhaegar instead, That's and right. because he he's the prince, that would probably have been fine <laughs> in the end. I mean, yeah. Robert would yeah. have complained, but it would still have been fine. That's just because they were being sketchy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I get the feeling like the the Dornish wouldn't have let Rhaegar marry another woman. Right? Yeah, I think they would have been mad about it, but it but still, it seems unlikely that it would have. It couldn't have been as bad as what happened. <laughs> but I mean, certainly that there were a lot of other tensions that were fomenting, right? And so this was a catalyst, but it wasn't. It oh, yeah, wasn't I mean, the only there, there was already that, that. That's the whole thing with this, like Stefan Sase's Southron ambitions. Like people were planning to put aside the Mad King. They were building right. And if Ares had that. been a fucking lunatic, it might have gone a little differently, you know. And if yeah. Tyr, like Tywin, had felt differently, you know, it might have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there was probably a lot below the surface there, but that was definitely, you know, that final domino. Yeah, just, the key is Robert did not start the rebellion to get Lyanna back. Robert had to fight for his dear life because they were coming to kill him and Ned. Like the, mm-hmm. and, and John refused to hand them over. So they, they had no choice but to fight, pretty much. Yeah. But it's interesting how that, that story is told at the beginning, right? Like, and how that kind of unravels through the course of the books. Because you just start out thinking, like, yeah, Rhaegar, this rapist. Yeah. And yep. uh, and it just becomes a totally different thing, which I think is, is really interesting because it all goes back to the history is written by the winners thing, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, this actually ties into a part in the second chapter, so if we want to move on, it goes well to that. Are we done with this one, I think? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess I was just really, uh, when I read reread this, I was thinking like, oh, that foreshadowing in the House of the Undying was not so much foreshadowing, it was just a literal scene, you know? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Aria. So you wrote a synopsis for this, right, Kyle? Uh, nope. <laughs> Not even close. That was a joke uh, I made. I made a funny. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick? Yeah, I, I didn't make one for this. I, uh... I mean, Sorry. it's all you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make one. We can. We can. I can summarize it. Yeah. Yeah, do it. You oh, it's just the tower of the hands. Hi heart. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is. I mean, yeah, I this know. this is kind of very interesting because uh, it basically this chapter Arya gives up, like she runs away from the uh, Brotherhood without banners. Like it, it's a complete change because at the start of it she's going with them. She's going to go to Riverrun, and by the end of it they're like, no, we're not going there. Riverrun's in danger, and so she runs away and gets swept into the hands of the Hound. Like it's it's a huge change for her, but a lot to happen in one chapter. End of, of summary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing more to nothing more to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, but it, and it ties into the previous chapter because of Rhaegar and that that kind of stuff there. Well, it's kind of ties into that because of Summer Hall discussions of Summer Hall. So I was glad that she was snatched up by the Hound at the end of it because you know, between you and me, I felt these Arya chapters of the Brotherhood were kind of boring. But Beric. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> boy, Beric. It feels like, and it, it's not like Arya. Well, like maybe it's because Arya's had eight fucking chapters already by this point, whereas Danny's only had four but i do feel like yeah i get it lem has really bad teeth but like <laughs> give me some more hey, there's more to lem than that you're not you're not giving him credence <laughs> lem was gonna be king's guard and now his his white clothes became yellow like there's, there's a lot there's depth to lem <laughs> i get it you're out yeah. here with robin hood uh, uh <laughs> and his merry gang of thieves or whatever but like Wait, here's a you question. Know, I like, was waiting for something to happen to Arya. What, what if she hadn't been taken away by the Hound in the this chapter? Would she have just been with him eventually and then met Lady Stoneheart? Like, that's probably what would have happened, right? Like, yeah. Oh, we yeah. would have heard Tom sing some more stupid songs. Do you think she would be even more messed up if she found how her, her mother became like a, a vengeance zombie? Uh, but she wouldn't have to go to Bravos and all of that, though, right? She would be sticking around with, with, with Lady Stoneheart. But, I mean, but, is that, is, but Arya would have been fucked up either way. Yeah, but I don't know which which scenario would make her more fucked up, though. Uh, <laughs> I would I would I would be really rattled if my mom returned as a vengeance zombie. I have to say, I guess. Well, you make sure to do all your chores. Like you, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you listen to what she tells you. <laughs> That's for sure. And so. What do y'all think of this little dwarf woman? That's uh, I thought for some she might somehow be related to children of the forest. I mean, even I think she was claimed to be by other people, but apparently not. I don't know. Maybe she has chil- blood of the children, or she's she's just an old forest. Isn't witch. she? Isn't she Jenny of Oldstones? Um, I think she was Jenny of Oldstones' friend. Oh yeah, yeah, but she's but she's that person. So, so she must have been. At least part uh, children of the forest, because otherwise she wouldn't have lived this long, right? Yeah. When? When? Yeah. When would this have happened then? Yeah, it's a good question. That would have been. Uh. Well, that's that's well, been. Well, well, I mean, Amon is still alive, but. Uh, but he's also like at death's door, essentially. Plus, she, he's like the only one who's yeah, we'll still alive. Well, she says she's a thousand years old, but she—I mean, she's human. Obviously, she isn't. If she's part children of the forest, she could be. Prince mm-hmm. of Dragonflies—that's uh, Aegon's son. Though no, she could just be a naturally old woman. <laughs> yeah, just a naturally old woman from birth. <laughs> Thousands of years. No, no, like a hundred, this, is, this is Aegon's son married Jenny yeah. Oldstone. So, like, Aemon is still alive with the same generation of Aegon. So, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. But she would, whatever, I, like whether she's human or part child of the forest, she has she can see the future. She has that capability. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I thought yeah. she was a child of the forest. Like I thought that was. Yeah, I think I think I, if she was fully, she would look a little different. I think, right? I think she, from what we've shown later, in World of Ice and Fire, should be like really kind of alien looking yeah. compared to humans. So I think maybe she's partly. Yeah. I don't know. Well, she. Anyways, she talks. She has these dreams, and 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 Beric and and Thoris kind of used her as like a a way of of ga- gaining knowledge around the the country. Mm. So she's she talks about uh was t- yeah that that uh, Balin Greyjoy's dead, and the men are fighting amongst themselves. Uh, Lord Hoster's dead too, and. Uh, 
and then she said something about uh, she's her, some of her dreams about a goat sitting alone uh, and fevered uh, in in a hall of kings as a great dog descends on him, a wolf howling in grief in the rain, uh, a clangor of horns and drums at the sad sound of a little bell, a maid at a feast with a purple serpent in her hair, and the same maid slaying a giant in the castle built of snow. So uh, is that a reference to, you know, the little snow castle or her retaking Winterfell? It, it is Sansa. I mean, it, we hope it's Winterfell, but it's probably just the <laughs> the giant because like, that fits it so well with the, the little doll mm-hmm. ripping the, the doll apart, right? Yeah. And then the bell is, is I think, from the Red Wedding because that's like the, the, the guy that gets killed, right? At the very end. Uh, the mm. bell, the bell part is uh, wolf howling. Uh, what is the wolf howling though? Is that is that John or is that somewhere some another? That's the one I wasn't sure about. The wolf, wolf howling, grief of rang, a clangor of horns. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Both of these dreams refer to the red wedding with the sad little bells representing Aegon. Like the the person that that uh, Caitlin kills, right? Yeah. He, kill, he kills like I think like the jester. Called Jingle Bell, middle son of Sir Sev- Stevron Frey. Yeah, and the the wolf howling. Uh, wasn't there Which, like, yeah, wasn't like we, didn't we see a wolf vision where they were kind of uh, like they they find find uh, Catelyn's body just before Beric and their men does. Something yeah, so like I mean, that yeah, it could have been that. It could have been right. It could have been Grey Wind there, or, or it could have like. Could, I thought it was John right now because a couple chapters ago, John was shot by an arrow. <laughs> anyway, mm. it could have been that, but I, I don't know. That's that's the only one I wasn't sure about. I do. Uh, I do have a question for you guys. Have you heard the theory that the Faceless Men were responsible for the Summerhall tragedy? And the, so, you know, the yes, ghost of her so. sees Arya, and then she's like, oh, you have the stink of death or whatever. And so, you know, I, and I did think, um, is that because she carries that iron coin? That That is actually really interesting. I, I don't know if I would use that particular thing to prove it, because we know Arya's probably going to be a killing machine later. So she can True, but that. I mean, you know, if, if the ghost is looking at this band of misfits who have killed a lot of people between them and this girl, right? Yeah. He's she might be able to sense the connection more if she's seen another faceless man causing harm. Yeah, like I, 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 I can see why they would do it because they didn't want dragons to come back. Yeah, I can see that, but but she did also kill a guard in, in cold blood, like. Uh, yeah, she killed a few it, people. She's like remembering that in this chapter because Ned's like, "Oh, I'm only twelve. I haven't killed anyone." And she's like, "Well, I've already started the list." I've already- yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, for sure, like, especially when I, you know, upon my other rereads of it, I just thought like, yeah, she's probably saying that Arya's going to kill a bunch of people, you know, but the idea of, of it specifically because of her, her being a faceless man, I think is an interesting prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought yeah. that it was, I always thought that it was the Citadel because I always subscribed to the the, the Citadel and, and uh, uh, the High Towers and, you know, all of those people are. Uh, have a secret conspiracy to to get rid of all the dragons and Targaryens because they know that that they uh, are uh, the doom of of uh, of Old Town. 
So, uh, or at least there was a prophecy that that they would be the doom of Old Town. So, yeah, we actually know what it was. When we talked about it. They were trying to fry the eggs in a turkey fryer, and then that. <laughs> Like oh yeah, but that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like Aegon <laughs> is not dumb. <laughs> well, he's he was, not a dumb. He was not a dumb king. I mean, and he, he was really old not at a crazy that time. Maybe he got. He's like, oh, look at this new invention. That's right. Didn't <laughs> seem like he would be that old. <laughs> maybe he's like, shut up. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, what if he did have a chance of success? I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree. And if he did, they wanted. To, both the Faceless Men and the Citadel wouldn't want that to happen. So, mm-hmm. like, Bravos wouldn't have a... That's why Bravos kind of think... Even now, Bravos is trying to... They're, they're Faceless Men are trying to get information on dragons. They're here now. They want to at least try to get ahead of it, see what they can do about it. Yeah. Mm. So I also thought it was it was interesting that uh, Thoris could not see anything here. She specifically said that she, she could not see anything here at High Heart. Uh... Yes. Does that mean does it mean that the uh, one, the children of force magic is uh, non conducive for fire magic? Uh, because that what does that mean for the wall then? Because uh, you know, uh, yeah. she the the red woman can uh, can feels that her power is multiplied when she's at the wall. So that's right. Yeah. No, I, mean, I think I, I do agree that. I mean, Thoros didn't see the visions until they left that place, and then he finally was able to see his batch of visions. So I think it was being blocked there. But on the other hand, Melisandre does feel really powerful at the wall. Does that mean that it's not exclusively uh, children of forest magic, the wall? Maybe. Or, I mean, does she kind of. I don't know if she says it out loud that the wall is like a pivot point of the world. Like there's there's something special about that area. Like a ley line? Yeah. And so is is Ashai, I think. Maybe another one. Oh. Maybe. Hmm. Also, uh, yeah, Beric interrupts and, and becomes like really creepy when uh, when Thor talks about? about his uh, talks about his his sword. Uh, that, like <laughs> uh, fire consumes everything six times or is too many. Yeah. Uh, well, he's lost all social tack every time he comes back. So. Yeah. <laughs> but but don't you think? Maybe I don't know. Is is it uh, significant that it's six times rather than seven? Everything used to be is usually seven, but for him it's six times. So is six the number six related to the lore? So. I just thought it was him just going like, "You guys, I'm getting really close to that number." <laughs> <laughs> well, that means that the seventh resurrection is Stoneheart, right? Yeah. Hmm. So is she the uh, she the other the mother? The other? Yeah, she is the uh, the one that people do not want to name. The, uh, no, oh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't put her that high up on the uh, ladder. I think she's lower <laughs> lower up on it. Uh, she's the new the new mother, the new hotness. <laughs> no, I've just I've just thought that I will find it interesting that it's because because George is. Uh, had have, have had a, a Catholic upbringing, so hmm. numbers and and stuff like that may have a significance in his storytelling as well. Uh, and 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 you know, in Catholic belief, six is a number. Well, six 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 is a number of the devil, and and it's associated with evil. And seven is num seven 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 is number of the of God, right? Hmm. 
Well, seven, seven, and three are the we know so far are, are key numbers. There must be yeah. three heads of the dragon and the seven. George just loves prime numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just that. Yeah, it's all. Now we're gonna have a new like Preston Jacobs movie on, on like prime number theory and <laughs> the books. Oh, don't you? Lo- yeah, I love that guy. He's he's. His well, I, I think I, I hope that he knows like when he goes too far. I know when I go too far. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, I, I think he knows because I think at the end of every video he's like, "Oh, I could just be making a pub of this." <laughs> okay, yeah. so when we get to what Kyle liked was the sloppy kiss from the old woman, or oh yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> His mouth will taste of lemons and mine of bones, she says. Oh yeah, well. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But they don't. <laughs> Lem Lemakog is having none of that. He's like, no, nah, get out of here. So no. they just they sing her a song instead. What a wuss. <laughs> which is which is about Jenny, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's he's not being a sport, right? <laughs> he's being like he's he's not very cool in this situation. He could have just like given her a smooch. Come on. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Beric should have ordered him. It's like, no, you must do this for the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, fall upon thine sword for the for the team. Take one for the team, yeah. right? So then they do get away. Actually, just just before they get away, we, I mean, Ned is pretty important in this chapter. Edric Dane, right? They have this mm-hmm. chat about uh, mm-hmm. all, the, all he knows about there, and, and one of the stronger points for the Ned and Ashara were the ones that were got together, not Brandon, but it could... I mean, it could could be Brandon. People think that it's Brandon. Uh, and that kind of could fit, like, different from what we expect initially. Mm. I honestly don't care who got with Ashara, Dane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't seem to be that important for the story, other than she's, uh, like, a, a red herring for for uh, R plus L equals J, right? Mm. Right, and that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, and what's, like, Milk Milk Brother is someone, like, you don't have to be of the same, like, age, right? Because that wouldn't work. I think it just means that Willa is claimed to be John's mother and then is later providing milk for, for Ned. Well, yeah. no, you don't have to be, but you can be at the you same can age. Be, but, the, but that wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. Why well, wouldn't it? Because Ned is younger than John. How much? I don't know. I know how, how significantly, old, old unless like she was. How long was John down there too? Like I, I think, I think. But but John Ned, is but but John is like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, Ned and is how 12. old is he? Okay, so yeah, so that's definitely yeah, that's that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, that's significant for for breastfeeding at least. Well, I mean, Lord uh, Lord Robin could be milk brothers with you know a newborn. <laughs> well, I, mean, it does, I mean, they don't have to be. This milking. is very triggering to me right now, you guys. Exactly. Mimi's the one to, to go to on this. Like, you're not the expert, but yeah, I don't even want to breastfeed <laughs> my own kid, let alone some other kids five years. I know, later. but like your next your next child, like or whatever, some other child. Yeah, like, some it, some it other child I picked. <laughs> you're feeling generous. You're producing yeah, that's milk that's here. That's what I'm doing. I'm being, that's what I do now. I just walk around topless, just feeding any cat I find. Yeah. I'm people just picturing people... grapes of wrath here. Grape, the ending of <laughs> no, grapes you're like of Danny. wrath. You have, you have the one, the one, the one covered. And... It's a really good look for me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But yeah, anything about breastfeeding in these books now? Ugh. 
They don't have to be drinking the milk in the same like period to be milk brothers. I think if they just no, I don't. the same woman that counts. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Jeez, but I thought I was done. Up? I thought I was done thinking about Mimi's breasts, but now it's, just, <laughs> it's all coming back. Never, just nine years of having to think about them, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is Willa claiming to be John's mother though? Like, how does that happen? Or is that, at least that's what he's told about. I guess she was told to do well, that. I mean, my dude needed a cover up. Yeah. You know? So then, does she then know stuff about John? Then, like, is this another person that could provide information? Uh, she was probably just told to not ask questions. Yeah. Just say this mm. is your child and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'll give you some fucking money or something. <laughs> <laughs> or you always be welcome family, in the North. So, yeah. yeah. But, then, but then who told her that? I mean, that the rest of the higher-ups and the, the Danes do know something. I don't know. But the, the, the story told is... is I don't, he was told this by his aunt. Who knows how mm. old she was. And then. Who is Willa? Like, how, what's her background? We don't know anything about her. Yeah. She's just a... Well, she so serves just a family, random... and then Robert knows that name. I don't, I don't know if Ned just said that name. Wait, he, he she, have... she serves. She serves what family? Uh, the, the Danes. The, the Danes. Yeah. The Danes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that Ned just threw that name because he yeah. like. But yeah, I think he made some sort of deal with with Wooler and and yeah. and so that he could use that name whenever he he was asked about John because. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, and and it does make me wonder if the Fashara Dane was complicit in in this, right? Like, oh, yeah. definitely, right. And that's why she's uh, she's uh, who, what's her name? Uh, the, oh, the one that the, Tyrion sees with the stretch Maybe mark? no, uh, yeah, no. I think she's she might be the uh, the the woman with the fate the the mask on. What's she called? Oh, uh, uh, Quaithia. Yeah, Quaithia. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, because she she takes an active part in Danny's life. Uh, we can't we can't believe that she just do- jumped off a tower and then died. Like that's probably good because it's some sort of cover up. <laughs> yeah. Especially because she she's probably the one that put Willa to the the whole story. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. So what do you think happened to her? She fled the the country, I guess. Yeah. Who's no? I mean, Tyrion meets a sept, like a, apparently a septa, but that has who has stretch marks from pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Septa Lamnor or something. Yeah, yeah, could be her, but it, if, if that fits the Lamnor. As yeah. in the theory, it's that well, she's she has alive. brown hair though. On the moment, she had dyed her hair, but <laughs> I don't know. Mm. But yeah, we should probably around somewhere. Yeah, I know. I don't know if we. we I hope. We will see her again. I mean, uh, but it's just when you think about all the the loose ends that has has to be tied up within these two books, it's uh, kind of daunting, right? And <laughs> yeah, I guess George is probably so, having the same thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Why did I make this extensive of a story? I hate myself <laughs> right now. <laughs> let's let's go watch some some football instead. <laughs> but um, were you guys surprised when you first read this about her just getting snatched up by the hound at the end? Yeah, what because we knew he was lurking, there? right? Yeah, I guess he was looking there earlier, but he's still lurking. Was he planning to take Arya, or that's just good luck for him? And that's kind of what I thought it was like you know the hound and his thing for the Stark girls, you know. 
maybe. I think when I first read these, I was so freaking confused about where everybody was and who was walking around <laughs> with who. Yeah. That I was like, oh, the hound's back. All right. Yep. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I powered through these chapters as well, so it was like, okay, this happened, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> on to the next one. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not before like the second reread I took that I actually went into the nitty gritty of stuff and yeah. and also yeah. like understood the or came up with my own theories about stuff. So, so yeah, so essentially, uh, I think I'm on, on Kyle's side on this one. It's yeah. Just took took things on face value and accepted whenever something weird happened. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just kept on going. Yeah, kept on going. I do love Gendry in this chapter when when Edric Dane is like, oh, "I'm Lord of Starfall." Gendry's like, "Oh God, lords and ladies <laughs> all over the place." <laughs> yeah, we know his upbringing too, and he talks about like, "Oh, my father's just probably some drunk." Yeah, you're right about that one. You nailed it. So is he gonna wield the sword of the morning? Oh, you mean, be, Ned, become the sword Nedric of the morning. Dane? Yeah, hopefully he. I think he he's left the group that of Lady Stoneheart. He's apparently in his own group now. Mm-hmm. Like this split kind of the Brotherhood. So who knows? He's got to get out of there. Yeah. He's got to go back to his seat of power. Maybe he's gonna be his milk brother's sworn sword. <laughs> Maybe mm. his his king's guard. Mm-hmm. Could be cool. Though a little left field esque, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, how, how, how can we he? Never, we never learn Edric's father's name, right? He's just one of the Danes. That's right. He's the elder brother of the Sword of the Morning. I think. It says that. Mm. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he's got some man Woody in him. <laughs> That's oh the dream. My. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I think all the great houses of Dorne have, have married the man Woody's at some point. Mm. Where is where is Dawn right now? That's a good question. I mean, uh, Ned returned it, and then yeah, what happened? It so it's, no, it's no, it hasn't Starfall. been taken out. Yeah, it's still at Starfall because uh, you have to be uh, you have to be worthy of the sword to wield it, and nobody has been worthy uh, as of yet. Okay, so Since, this is some Excalibur shit. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. So well, Dark Star hasn't Dark Star, taken yeah, it. Yeah, it's gonna show up and be like, "Hey, <laughs> just picking this up." Give me that sword. Give <laughs> <laughs> me that sword, or I'll hurt some more little girls. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the funny thing. Dark Star was all this failed emo character, but really, that's Rhaegar as well. Yeah, one of them was mm. so popular, but then the other one, George, failed with an emo star. This is the, welcome to the story of Dark Star's life. <laughs> He's always the failed one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's the most dangerous man in Dorne, apparently. So he, he is of the night. <laughs> mm. I hope Ashara comes. Oh, in. he was weaned on Venom. So who was he milk brothers with then? <laughs> like a snake? Or... <laughs> Jeez. Um, no, he must be milk brothers with the uh, the Red Wiper because he's also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Now but I'm picturing no. Darkstar as like the Eeyore. Of World of Ice and Fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just my life. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't him, it was just his sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I want to make a comic of that. Um, <laughs> cool. 
So I, I, when you talked about the, uh, the, uh, was it, uh, Vala Morgulis and, and Vala Doharius? Yes. Uh, last time. Yeah, I like time. how you said that. Yeah, me too. You need to say the well, third, the one we came up with. You get that one? Uh, Vala Taxaris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All men must pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, too real, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I get. I have you seen the? Uh, it's called uh, David Peterson's. Um, um, you know, he 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 does he does some uh, language work for uh, the show, and he he did some high Valerian words. Mm. Uh, I like the Didn't one we where we see him at Comic Con. We did. I mean, he he, he guest hosted with us to too, but I don't think we went too much into Valerian. We did a bit of Valerian, but. Oh, uh, I was but, too busy flipping out, having some nerd rage about yeah. his comments about Mongolian. <laughs> yeah, well, I like I like his his uh, pronunciation of of Morgulis. It's like Morgulis, mm. Valar Morgulis. So he, he essentially used it in in uh, when when he says that. What do we say to death? Not today. I like that one specific, specifically. So it's mm. like Skoros Morhot Morhot Vestri, Tubidaor. So. I like that call. Well, let me tell you, funny David J. Peterson, it was J, I think, but David Peterson, anyways. When Mimi, you remember we were at that that lesson you signed us up for, right? The Dothraki language, and then at the end you were like, "Hey, let's go get yes. a picture with him." So I was like, "All going to be like have a picture with him," and then you kind of like backed up and didn't do that. So I was just like standing beside him, waiting for a picture. I'm like, wait a minute, are we gonna take our I picture? Don't remember or? That. I don't remember that. I do remember yeah. uh, it was a nightmare trying to get to the Hilton to go mm. to that. Was was Kyle there? No, he uh, bailed. He failed his, his report card for the uh, bracket class. So. Uh, you know what? I didn't make it. <laughs> that's right. It was just me and a mean just fighting our way through the crowds trying to get there. <laughs> but I, I did feel go to real one of his classes at uh, Comic Fest in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. We all spoke some language. So are y'all doing a panel again soon? Well, yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna fly for it. So we're saying like, are you are you gonna come with your son too? Until this time to Comic Con or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it is. Uh, well, I mean, I can't do the panels, you know, because y'all talk about this. You're right, you can't do that. Show. But I, but I might apply. I, I, I applied last year. I didn't get it, but maybe I'll get it this year. I applied for a, a panel on podcasting. Like that's. Oh, okay. Do we know anything about mm. podcasting? We know we know how to have our recorders break all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> we do. We know we that, know about that as well in the UK. Well, I got. <laughs> I'm in contact with some other podcasters as well. So like, it'd be like combination just. What have you learned about podcasting? Whatever, like so we have a couple uh, podcasts from different podcasts, but then you could still be on it with me, or I might mm. moderate it and you'd be on it for a podcast of Ice and Fire. So I think I'd have I mean, fun doing podcasts. Like I, I could that because I mean, not that I know anything about podcasting, but I think like we, we are still talking to each other after nine years, and so I don't know about y'all, but this is the longest relationship I've ever, ever had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and me, I mean, we might as well be married at this point, you know? That's right. Yeah. What am I, just a Dario fuckboy over here? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you showed up late to the party. It's true. Yeah. It's true, I did. Mm. I had to turn on my other sellsword companies first. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, nine years talking to the same people, that's not thats not an accident, you know? Mm. Yeah. Or maybe we just don't have any friends after almost a decade. <laughs> <laughs> But you guys can also like talk about that you're k- kind of in a special situation that you have like a, 
a podcast, uh, like there's a derisive of your podcast, like in yeah, we spawned other podcasts. Yeah, I exactly. Still don't believe that happens. <laughs> I assumed that the offshoot podcast existed just because ours was so bad and infrequent that people were like, "We can do this better." <laughs> well, spin it however you want, but it's still there. So, <laughs> so that's something. That's and... true. But yeah, I mean, if you sign us up for that, I would consider it. Yeah, I would so. ditch my son. <laughs> it's only a couple days. He'd be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't even like me, so it's fine. You know, now when I was rereading this chapter about, like, she had a stillborn daughter, and then she, uh, Ashara, and then she flung herself off the tower, I thought, like, same. Um, maybe she had postpartum depression. See, yeah. these are the things that I think now That's when I do a reread. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't actually say in this chapter that she had the, that child, but that is a theory you're right. So you think that could have affected it? Like, it was having the stillborn daughter? Uh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, now I, I look back through this stuff and I would think like, even if she had a daughter that made it postpartum depression, still very real. But now I feel like I'm looking back through these books, just mm. like just uh, freely diagnosing these characters like Rhaegar struggled with depression, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I uh... Ashara, postpartum uh, depression, hot pie, autism, probably, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I, especially- guys, we have come so far in this podcast. It used to be one hundred percent dick jokes, and now it's only like seventy five percent. And the other twenty, yeah, no, we're talking about ba- children baby and talk. Family. Yeah, <laughs> growing up. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. You don't have to. Good night, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We did it, you guys. We yeah. we stayed on t- topic for once. And we, we talked about, I mean, like it, it is episode. like the ninth anniversary, but I don't know if I sent the link with, uh, this is from like a few anniversaries back that George signed Windhaven. Mm. I, I should get something uh, else from George now, but I feel like he's really busy. I don't want to bother him again. For sure. Yeah, he's busy with <laughs> the wild cards. Uh, mm. Do not distract him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, you're, you're right still because... The sooner he's done with the wild cards, he'll get back to the winds of winter, right? True. Yeah. So wh- whatever he's doing right now, let him do that because we don't want him to burn out, and just don't bother him. Just don't just don't bother George, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because we need we need the winds. We need the winds soon. I'm telling you, I'm not even bothered, and it might end up being a longer wait than any of the other books. Don't if, don't. If he doesn't don't. produce it this year, right? Don't be yeah, like that. 2011 to 2018. Yeah, right. Don't be like yeah, that. Yeah, make us wait seven years for the seventh book. I'm not, no. not mad. I know. I just picked up the massive The Way of Kings, so I got something to distract me. I mean, it's not even the seventh book. It's the sixth. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. There's another Shit. one after this. Yes. Yeah, but, but the, the last one's got to be one. easier to write. It's just wrapping up, so... <laughs> Yeah, me. that's what you say. I mean, you're like, like you haven't <laughs> learned from this abuse yet. You're like, nah, it'll be better, right? No, I mean, <laughs> remember when dance was supposed to come out right after feast? Yeah, I remember that. That's and then we were I, like, mm. okay, now that dance is out, yeah. wins is already. He's already laid the groundwork for that. Yeah. Uh, but then George was I like, still have that copy of feast that has like, oh, it's coming out in a year. That's the copy that I have. Mm. Yeah. The first edition. Did they remove that from the new version? They did, yeah. Yeah, they they removed that pretty quickly. 
I love it. I, I just, you know, the optimism of like, yep, uh, I wrote both books. I just split it in half and the next one should be along shortly. Is there a website with the count? Um, like how many days in between books? Is this, is there a website out there or do we need to put it on ours? Yeah, I know, right? I was like, we should just have a timer on ours, just the number of... Uh, yeah, there should be a count, like how many days in between each book, and then when once it gets to uh, Winds of Winter, um, we'll just it'll be a count. It'll be an ongoing count, so everybody can compare right there in one easy spot. Right, yeah, I feel like they feel like okay. they're most stressed by this wait, but I don't know. I can't tell if that's because the show is coming in and spoiling things or like confusing people, so they don't know what the real like canon is supposed to be, but. I feel fine with it. You take your time, George. Amen. I'm with you. Get it right. Get it right. Make something cool happen in Dorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Darkstar's going to go pick up the Sword of the Morning. There we go. So. <laughs> yeah, do some cool shit like that. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think that wraps up an episode with a fabulous guest host. I know I missed half of this episode, but don't worry. Business was taken care of. Um mm. And I am glad I got to talk to y'all, even though it is near midnight at this point. Mm. Oh. oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're out there starting your day over there. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Come join us on our forums when the website is not crashing. Uh, sorry about that recently. I think we got hacked by Russians, probably. Oh. Um, Topical. <laughs> right. No, seriously. Uh, I was talking to tech support about it, and I was like, I don't know. Who would want to hack us? And he was like some nerds. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right about that. Um, but I, I did think it was a miracle. Because I was like, nobody even shows up on our website other than the guest listeners that we have. But hopefully we'll get that under control. But come join us on the forums. Follow us on Twitter. Interact with us on Facebook, which I think is just Kyle 100% <laughs> of the time. And um, keep up with me on my pregnancy and motherhood blog. What's the yeah, website for that? Myself. So you've ruined your dot life. Mm. Yep. And um, I will, I guess I will catch you guys on the next episode. Well, where can we find Patrick? Patrick, what's up with you? Where can we find you guy, buddy? Well, I'm, I'm just uh, part of the VOK. Um, as, as I said before, I'm Patrick the Toll, and I'm usually on the, uh, the linear rereads of, of VOK, the Vassals of Kingsgrave. We do uh, a special, yeah, as we said, linear reread where we uh, treat the books as they would be if they were chronologically set up. Uh, and that's kind of interesting because you can kind of get some reference points and stuff that, that you wouldn't do if it's if it's read in the in the original way. So that's cool. I also do some Tarkarian, uh, like treat, treating about talking about the Targaryen kings and how well they were, how well they did their job and whatever. And um, other than that, I'm just generally out there on the internet. No, nothing specific, but yeah. Awesome. You guys definitely have your shit together a lot better than us. Oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we, we just, we, we're just more people, so we, we <laughs> produce more content. That's the only difference, essentially. Yeah, Mimi is like Danny, and then all you guys are saying, Misa, Misa. Okay. <laughs> she shows up to be okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Liberated you all into this new world. Yeah, definitely. And is that your child we're hearing in the back, Patrick? Yeah, it's actually, yeah. He's, he's, uh, 
He's very ins- excited. He's gotten eggs and, and uh, sausages for, for breakfast, which is something not very normal for him. Mm, so he's like, oh my, this is so great. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm jealous because I haven't had a good breakfast in a long time. I well, heard you out there eating sloppy joes. You know what? It is 9.30 at night. <laughs> well, Kyle, you should get a wife then. It's it's It, it does wonders for my, my diet. All right, so you married man. me when you had the chance, Kyle. I'm going on Amazon right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for podcasting with us. Thanks for joining us tonight, Patrick, and or this morning, I guess. And um, I guess me. we will see y'all for episode 213. Yeah, see you next time. Catch you later. Bye. Hi, this is Greg, Claudius the Fool on the forums and one of the vassals of Kingsgrave Curators. I just wanted to let all the podcast of Ice and Fire listeners know that we're having a Game of Thrones a Song of Ice and Fire trivia night at our bookstore, Southampton Books, in Southampton, New York, Long Island, on Wednesday, April 19th at 6.30pm. There will be questions from both the books and the TV show, but mostly the books. The trivia will consist of six rounds of questions, including an activity round and an audio round as well. If you're interested, you can check out our website at southampton-books.com or just Google Southampton Books to find the sign-up sheet, and we'll try to put teams together if only have one or two people, because I know there's some single people that want to play. I know there are some listeners that may be coming, and hopefully we can get one or more teams from the podcast to compete. The specifics, it'll be $20 per person to play, teams of up to five players. The winning team gets all the cash, and there will also be other prizes, including some awesome A Song of Ice and Fire swag that the publisher, Bantam Books and Random House have donated, as well as gift certificates and A Song of Ice and Fire crafts. So feel free to message me on the forums if you have any questions, follow us on Twitter at South H Books, or send us an email at southhamptonbooks at gmail.com. I hope to see you there. And if you can't make it, we're going to try to have it set up that teams can play over Skype as well. Thank you to a podcast of Ice and Fire and Amin for the plug. All right, sorry I missed half of this episode, you guys. It's all right. No, but do send me a re- record so I can compare quality. Well, will do. Yeah. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us, man. That was awesome. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. Well, I've, I've done this for three years now in, in, in a less, you know, in VOK terms. So I, I, would, I did imagine that I could at least hold up to a, to a certain standard. Not, not your standards, of course, but... <laughs> yeah, oh, you but my standards are very low. <laughs> So so yeah, I'm I'm happy that I could finally uh, be part of this. I mean, I mean, I've been, yeah, especially like the first if, like first year we I constantly compared the Wolf Cast to 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 you guys. Like who's the Mimi? Who's the who's the uh, I mean uh, who's the Kyle in, in the in the Wolf Cast? Where I was mainly just doing my stuff there, and it was so it was, yeah. I've, I've been looking up to you guys for for uh, for. Uh, yeah, inspiration on how to do this, this this job essentially. And then you podcasted with us, and you were like, "Oh shit, they don't know what they're doing." <laughs> they're no, I, I no, I know that you eating sandwiches. No, no, I know that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> that you're you're so you're so good at at making it interesting. <laughs> your shock, as we say, the shocking lack of knowledge is 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 very interesting. Still, <laughs> could you hear me frantically googling? I'm like. <laughs> Google what is Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yeah, my internet was running really slow. I was uh, <laughs> hurting on some of those quick Google searches. Have, have you have you uh, discovered the site uh, Search of Ice and Fire? Uh, no. 
Oh, that's no. a very that's right. a very good tool for a reread. You can uh, you can type out any anything, and it will just give you all of the chapters that's that in that incorporates those words. Yes, so. I feel like we've talked about this before, and I looked up the word "nuncle," and then we just never <laughs> talked about it again. So well, this is a gold mine. So I, for example, used it to actually figure out, and, and I totally forgot to say this, but uh, that uh, the second sons, uh, you know, uh, get mentioned two, uh, twice before they actually appear on page, like in in real life page mm-hmm. in the story. Uh, so I thought that was funny that he, he kind of referenced them twice before actually introducing them. Oh, man, he doesn't say boobs once in these books. He does how, not. How rude. What about Dugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's the one that had larger than her head or something. Is that oh, not a single day of my life has gone by after that? having a kid where I haven't thought like about that word. <laughs> okay, I'm going to head out. This is a good sign. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. It was good podcasting with y'all. And I mean, yeah. let me know when you guys can do the next record. I can, I can do another weeknight again. Yeah. Mm. Let's do it. Let me know. Okay. All right. Guys, have a good yeah. night. Bye. So I'm joined now by Stefan Sasse, a returning guest host. Stefan, uh, can you just tell us what you're involved in on the in on the web? Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone. Uh, I have written three essays so far for the upcoming book, and one of them was already discussed in length uh, on this very podcast. And the other two uh, have the catchy titles of Making History, The Battle of the Red Grass Field, and the last one is uh, The Problem with Critical Analysis in A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, I want to start with the first one. It's Making History, The Battle of the Red Grass Field. Uh, it came to me when I uh, was rereading and especially teaching uh, the Hedge Knight series uh, in literature class uh, that the Battle of the Red Grass Field is a very interesting uh, thing to, uh, to analyze because it has such a large impact on the society and is, uh, how do you want to put it, uh, not exactly interesting in terms of strategy and tactic and all that stuff because we don't have much information about it, but it is very interesting in how it formed the mentality uh, of the people. Just like Robert's Rebellion, the question of who was where in that time uh, has become very important, and I'm going to analyze that. And on the other hand, I have written an essay about the problem with critical analysis in A Song of Ice and Fire. And the thing uh, that I... Uh, recognized during my years of contributing on various stuff to fandom is that the approaches that people take uh, on analyzing uh, our beloved series differ in uh, some very important points and at times we are uh, not understanding each other pretty well and are accusing ourselves of uh, overinterpreting uh, stuff or uh, simply reading too much into it you know all that kind of stuff And uh, I made out more or less two basic lines of how you can approach the series, how you can analyze it. And I'm explaining these two ways uh, and trying to give some examples and hopefully um, promote a better understanding of ourselves. Critical analysis one seems very relevant for our book and future books. And uh, when you're talking about the Hedge Knight, it's good that you're working on that. And as you said, you actually got to teach about the Hedge Knight in class. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I'm also teaching Game of Thrones right now, but uh, I started out with uh, the Hedge Mind. So it's like a dream situation, basically. You get. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit geeky. My my pupils are always laughing because because I'm getting into this uh, uber nerd mode, uh, <laughs> which you don't uh, usually get with all the uh, classics. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's really weird just talking about uh, who gets murdered, why, uh, in class. But you get used to it. Well, are you like that t- uh, teacher that uh, punishes people with spoilers if they're not behaving? class uh, not yet not yet but uh, <laughs> i'm certainly i'm certainly keeping it in my group okay excellent so good I'm looking forward to seeing those other essays and thanks for summarizing them here so, <laughs> no problem bye bye So we continue through our cycle of contributing authors to him for spring and we're joined by Jeffrey Hartline welcome Jeff Hey, how's it going, I mean? Good, good to chat with you. Well, we'll start off with uh, how and when did you get into A Song of Ice and Fire? So my story is kind of not very unique. I, I got into mm-hmm. the story around the time that Game of Thrones came out, season one. I had heard about it through HBO. I had been a fan of several HBO series previously, um, The Wire being probably the pro- most prominent. I'm from Baltimore originally, so I love The Wire. I like the, the story, the setting. And I heard about this show called Game of Thrones. I was in Afghanistan at the time, it was 2010, and I heard about the show, and I decided that I would give the show a watch when it came out, when I got home. So I, I watched the first season, and then I started reading the books slowly. Um, I got through the first two books by the time season two rolled around, hmm. and then when season two completed, I rapidly went through A Storm of Swords, A Feast for Crows, A Dance with Dragons, and then subsequently read every single scrap of information I could find on the Winds of Winter. <laughs> so my story is kind of, it's, it's not very unique. I didn't get started in 1996 or before the show came out. I would turn on to the series by the show first. And then after that, it was just, it's, it's been quite a ride since. Uh, who are your favorite characters in the series? Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of favorite characters. In terms of POV characters, I think my favorite is probably Jamie Lannister. Mm. As a character, he tends to bring a wide range of emotions both when he was not a POV character from in a Game of Thrones and a Clash of Kings you thought hey Jamie Lannister he's an asshole he's a terrible person he's a attempted child murderer he's he you know in the show he kills Jory Cassell and the in the books he he orders the deaths of everyone in Ned Stark's party besides Ned Stark himself of course and then when you get into his chapter, I remember reading A Storm of Swords after season two and after the prologue, which was, you know, just really turned me, hooked me on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the book. First chapter is Jamie. Mm-hmm. And that chapter, I, I rolled my eyes and literally groaned when, when I saw that Jamie was, was a POV character. But then I read through the first chapter of Jamie and really enjoyed it. And then the second chapter and so on and so forth until by the end of A Storm of Swords, it might be the product of, of elimination because so many POV characters or you know so many characters that I liked had died, but Jamie had become my favorite character. And then in A Feast for Crows, I was kind of like a lot of a lot of fans in that it was a, it was a more difficult book for me to get through, but Jamie was my constant to get through through that book. Um, in terms of non-POV characters, uh, Stannis definitely mm. would be one character that I really enjoy reading and. 
uh, watching, even watching on the screen, even though there's some deviations from the character in the books. Um, I really like Rob Stark. I like Jon Snow as another POV character. Davis. Um, Catelyn even. Uh, Catelyn tends to be somewhat controversial among fans, but I think that her POV is one of the most honest characters in the story and that she, there's not a lot of unreliability in her POV. She's very straightforward and direct and she thinks what she actually believes and says what she what she wants to say. Now, how are you involved in Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones or how did Mark contact you related to the I, book? I started contributing... I, after I finished A Dance with Dragons, I subscribed to the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. Hmm. And I don't know if many of your fans are, are subscribers there, but it, it was the first community that I actually became a part of for, for A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, kind of read through a number of, of posts, found out about you know, being even those plain and, and retrospect found out about the theory of, of um, Rhaegar and Lyanna being mm. Jon Snow's parents through through the subreddit on on Song of Ice and Fire. Um, over time, I started. I did a reread. Uh, really enjoyed season three. Started actually writing a bit more about a Song of Ice and Fire. Um, initially, I had, I had written about. I wrote about some of the class struggles in a Song of Ice and Fire, and how there wasn't a small folk perspective. And that was the first essay that kind of caught attention from from people on the subreddit and then from there i started actually writing a number of military analyses of some of the major characters uh, rob stark stannis baratheon jamie lannister daenerys targaryen tywin lannister and then from there kind of transitioned to writing about some of the battles and some of the upcoming battles from the winds of winter um writing about the battle of ice um the upcoming siege of winterfell between stannis and roose bolton and then also right now I'm in the middle of writing a series on uh, the Battle of Fire, which is the battle, the battle and siege of Meereen, where you have Barristan Selmy and Victorian Greyjoy and Tyrion Lannister, and all these major characters kind of convalescing around Meereen, and it's going to be a pretty great battle. And and then there's a couple one-off essays as well, um, one on Roose Bolton talking about how Roose Bolton's Treachery against Rob Stark has a much longer history than is previously thought of by mm. my fans. Um, talked about how Varys had a major failure of intelligence in the first book when he was um, when he was supposed to prevent the execution of Eddard Stark and send him up to the Wall and delay the war a little bit longer. But instead, you know, Joffrey Baratheon cuts his head off, and from there, it's. To me, it seemed a very egregious failure of intelligence for him. Um, a few months ago, I was invited to become a moderator for the subreddit for A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, in that capacity, I've, I've basically been working on a couple things. And, you know, at the time of this recording, some of them haven't come out, but they, they will by the time I believe this recording gets released. Um, we're doing a Ask Me Anything series. Hmm. Um, the first one we have going is with Stephen Atwell, who is going to be one of the um, contributors for him or him for spring. Um, so we're going to have him coming up here. Um, I mean, he'll be coming up next week uh, with, in mid-April. And I think other people that we're getting in touch with and uh, trying to start this this series up. So um, I have some I, I've, uh, frequent uh, contributor and commenter on Westeros and on Tower of the Hand. Um, you know, I've that's basically my my entire my history with the series in a, in a nutshell. There, I mean, it's I, kind of a lot to kind of kind of process and and talk through. But it's been, it's been like I said, it's been kind of a a ride. 
Yeah, it's I think it's, it's great that there's so many different places people get, get involved in the community, and it, it is surprising how much the show and the books become part of your life once you get sucked into it. They, they really do. You know, I I got in, engaged a, a little while ago, and I'm getting mm-hmm. married soon, Correct. and uh, I, I had my fiance read, uh, start to read a Game of Thrones. Uh, she didn't make it that far, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a she's a big animal lover, and she when she oh. heard... That the yeah that the dire wolves die, uh, she was she was having none of that, so she kind of quit oh. the series after that. But um, it, it is one of those things that you become almost like an evangelist for the series. You, you tell your friends, you know, after you finish the series, you know, you know, you've seen this show Game of Thrones. You got to read the books. You got to read the books. You got to read the books. But and then it really does kind of impact your life because you start looking at you know the just the the depth and the of the series and you really start to enjoy it a whole lot more and it does have kind of an impact and that you kind of think in the ways that the show has you, the show and the books have you thinking. Could you tell us a bit about your essay coming up in A Hymn for Spring? Yeah, my, my essay for A Hymn for Spring is going to be on Stannis Baratheon. Um, like I said before, he was one of my favorite characters when I read the books and he's, he's become even more uh, of my one of my favorite characters as I reread the books and um, the basically my essay is about how Stannis comes across, and many people both in the books themselves and in the fan community look at Stannis Baratheon. And they say they kind of take the perspective of Donald Noy. Uh, Donald Noy was mm. the master armor at Castle Black, and Donald Noy makes this famous, you know, saying in the middle of his uh, speech to Jon Snow in his first chapter in Clash of Kings. Robert was the true steel. Stannis is pure iron, black heart, black and hard and strong. Yes, but brittle the way that iron gets. He'll break before he bends. And Renly, that one, he's copper, bright and shiny, pretty to look at, but not worth all that much at the end of the day. And I kind of took a, took a look at that and saw that that was actually a recurring theme among many of the characters in the universe and in the series itself, and also mm-hmm. among fans, and that people generally saw Stannis as hard and flexible. And some people kind of gravitated towards that. They had, they had a perspective of Stannis as a really tough character, a guy who went up to the wall and saved the Night's Watch when when they were facing extinction from the invasion by the Wildlings. But when looking through the series, I can't, kind of came to the perspective that it wasn't really the case that Stannis was hard and inflexible. In fact, a lot of times you find Stannis being incredibly flexible when it comes to his interactions with others, his policies, um, even his, his wartime conduct. He takes advice from people, and he actually tends to listen and change his mind a fair amount when he feels convinced by the um, by the rightness, whether it's both from a utilitarian perspective um, or from a moral perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to take an example, um, Stannis gives this is renowned for saying, you know, all who I'm the true king, I'm the true king. Those who do not accept me for the the true king or traitors, and they'll they deserve to they will bend the knee or be destroyed. But at the same time, uh, in a clash of kings, after uh, Stannis gains the loyalty, albeit through some pretty underhanded methods of the Stormlords, he actually tends to he actually forgives them, forgives treason, treason being the ultimate crime for Stannis, being punishable by death, and more than just forgives them in a political sense. He forgives them almost in a personal sense. He says that he forgives them, but he doesn't He doesn't forget their disloyalty. He remembers it. 
forgives it, doesn't forget it. And then throughout, that's kind of a theme. So, and, and I based it off of that and then kind of looked a little bit farther back and you see actually more of how Stannis tended to um, be more flexible than he's given credit for as far back as um, his interactions with, um, with, with Robert during Robert's rebellion, you know, Stannis is faced with this very clear choice. Do I choose my liege, Ares the second Targaryen, or do I, the mad King, or do I choose my brother? My, he says in a storm of swords, my brother, or my liege, that was a hard choosing. And he chooses his, his brother over his oaths essentially in, during Robert's rebellion. And this is kind of a, a theme that I think that George R. R. Martin interweaves in the story um, about Stannis and that he's given this, people have an opinion of him as being very inflexible when in fact he actually is, demonstrates a very wide ranging degree of flexibility, both on personal matters and on policy in terms of a politician. Yeah, I think he's quite, yeah, he is more pragmatic, uh, both as the series goes along and as you find out more about him. And I think that Donald Noy quote, quote like we all like Donald Noy, but I think people give him too much credit. He may be wrong. I feel like Robert, it was actually the worst of the, the three, and Renly deserves more credit as well. Uh, I don't know about Renly deserving more credit, but I would definitely <laughs> say that. <laughs> I would say That's that. a whole say essay that in itself, can, probably. Gets Stannis gets, gets, he gets the short, sh- the short shrift when it comes to Donald Noy's quote, and mm. it, it tends mm. to be actually something that John thinks about later on when he finally meets Stannis Baratheon, when Stannis comes north to the Wall, considering Stannis to be a hard man and such. But at the same time, when you come up to a dance with dragons and you have Stannis and John at the wall and they're constantly butting heads about policy and where will we settle the wildlings, which castles will I be allowed to have? Um, you actually find a very flexible Stannis in terms of when you look at him in um, when he's making his battle plans for the North, he knows he's going to confront Bruce Bolton. He makes this basically this dumbass plan and which is really, it is a dumbass plan for Stannis for the amount of, experience that he has he's going to drive south straight to the dread fort take the dread fort and then that's kind of it there's there's no real middle ground then just wait for the boltons to come north and try to besiege him but john snow gives him the advice don't don't do that you're going to die you're going to all your you and your men are all going to die and then stannis actually listens to him john says go to deepwood mod and stannis marches on deepwood mod and then from deepwood mod he starts his long march to winterfell which of course, will be a major part of the the winds of winter. Will be the whole Winterfell campaign. I, I imagine, um, you know, Martin has said he's going to open um, the winds of winter with two major battles: the battle of uh, battle in the ice, battle of Winterfell, and the battle of fire. So we have, you know, Stannis listening to John, and basically he gains the support of the Glovers, of the Northern Mountain clans, of you know, even the um, oh, shoot. Even the more even House Mormont, the, the house that originally had spurned him from the first chapter of from John's first chapter in Dance of Dragons, he gains their loyalty as well to to drive on Winterfell. All because he listens to to Jon Snow and you know, he listens to others as well, you know, he before well before that, from Davis to Melisandre to others in the series, he gives them he listens to their counsel and mm-hmm. kind of changes his mind a fair amount. And in a lot of ways in, in in good ways, but also in my essay too, I talk about some of the more morally gray areas that he changes his mind on. Um, some of the uh, is listening to Melisandre, especially early in the Clash of Kings. Um, mm-hmm. 
he he makes it he even makes an oath that he will never um, treat with Melisandre or he will never treat with Renly rather while his brother still wears the crown but he then shows up and has a parley with Renly and Davis asks him when he gets back like why did you do that and he said well because Melisandre said I should do it so he kind of did that so it's a little more complex than saying that he's he changes always for the good. He, he tends to, I'm not saying he like kind of drifts in the wind, but he tends to have a, a, uh, a flexibility that, that people don't give him credit for, both for the good, mostly for the good, but also a little bit bad as well. Great. I look forward to reading it. I mean, I'm a Stannis fan myself. I didn't start that way myself, but it, through the rereads, I, be, I became more interested in character. So Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's a great character. Uh, one of the better characters that Martin wrote. Um, you know, you kind of come to love Robert in, in a Game of Thrones, and you come to kind of, you know, because Stannis doesn't make his appearance until Clash of Kings. You, you kind of, he's kind of off off the pages, but he's he's very present. And then when he comes in, it's he becomes a very interesting, much more interesting character than I think Robert Robert ever was. Well, thanks for coming on here to talk about it. So hopefully, it'll. I'm not sure exactly when this episode will be out. Yeah. Great. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Amin. All right. Bye.